tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, Molester Cop, Thanks Lieutenant Stevens, and Roswell. So how do you want to like break it to the audience and all of our listeners that things are going to be a little bit different? Yeah. Well, mommy and daddy are going to be spending some time apart. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't mean that we don't still love you very much, but uh, you're going to have to be alternating weekends. Um, one of us is only going to really be buying pizza forever for dinner on that weekend because uh, I can't cook. Um, yeah, so things are going to be different around the old reenacted and unsolved mysteries podcast. Well, I think um, foregoing our usual intro because at this point you should know what the fuck you're listening to. Um, <laughs> But this, you this is you used to. Uh, who knows after today? Yeah, this is a reenacted and unsolved mysteries podcast, and I'm Crystal. And, and I'm Robert. Yeah, as usual. So what we've decided to do, for reasons I won't go into here, uh, so we're gonna we're gonna jump into season two, episode one tonight. Um, I think mostly I I don't know about you, Robbie, but I was getting really tired of Medford, Oregon fraud cases, and I just. <laughs> couldn't take it anymore but well, I, th- I think we'll find in season two production values are up the reenacting is like is ready for prime time now stack is on location like it's it's all good i feel yeah. great about season two yeah yeah no I, and i think they're they're totally they're starting to move into that period where they're getting a little bit crazy because we we've seen the the preview for <laughs> next week's episode Ooh boy <laughs> yeah well i mean uh and this is i think this is what we want right like it's you know oh, the, yeah. the murder cases and all that is uh, are uh they're <laughs> they're cool it's cool when people get murdered no it's not what no. i was trying to say was uh that we'll get more of those in the future i'm sure but that it was kind of getting feeling starting to feel really repetitive between fraud and and uh unexplained death and you know all that so i i feel like season two is off to a much more fun start yes yes things uh things will definitely be i think less depressing when we watch i mean after we i mean they'll be less depressing after we talk about the first segment of season two episode (laughs) then it's all uphill yeah and while we're on the topic of revamping things Mm -hmm. Um, okay, so we've been uh, using some acronyms and, and terminology for our fan base. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you came up with the idea of a stackhead to describe, I guess, a general unsolved mysteries viewer uh, or fan. Yeah, and, and then we came up with Rump, which is the the acronym for our show, Reenacted an Unsolved Mysteries Podcast. Yeah, and was it? You or me who came up with Rumper to describe a fan of Reenacted and Unsolved Mysteries podcast? I feel like it was just came out of this totally organic genesis. Yeah. (laughs) So um, 
I decided I, I went on Google to search Rumper. Mm-hmm. Maybe just, I guess, in a vague <laughs> fantasy that maybe I would see people using the term, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, in context for our show. Y- yeah, uh, I'm guessing you didn't. That's not what you I, got. <laughs> I didn't. In fact, the first result that came back was from Urban Dictionary. <laughs> um, so. Is it about the butt? <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, so I don't know if we uh, uh, want to dispense with that or considering probably the nature of the maturity level of most of our viewer, uh, listeners that mm. maybe they would prefer to continue using this term. Um, uh, in, in so much that no one besides us has actually used it, I think what we should do uh, is really try and get people to use this hashtag because that means then we can overtake it and then that's what will be associated with the podcast and not the butt. So okay, I think we should just we should just carry on with that and, and right, see then. if we can engineer the internet to our favor. I'll just close that tab. So okay. I guess I guess I didn't even have to read out the the definition. Uh, you should. <laughs> Okay. Because now I want to know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> rumper. <clears throat> a rump rumper is the act of f***ing the ass crack of your girlfriend and on the crack without penetration into the soul or p- <laughs> That is a series of words I never want to hear out of your mouth again. <laughs> I'm, I'm horrified. <laughs> Not by the act, but that you know what? I'll just bleep all that out. I'll just bleep it all out. <laughs> can you can you find like a generic beeping oh, bleeping definitely. sound? Oh yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. I've been meaning okay. I've been meaning to do more self censoring of this podcast. All right, excellent. Okay, well that's that's horrifying. All right. Hey, uh, Robbie. Speaking of horrifying, do you want to talk about this molester cop that's part oh. of se- segment one? Shit. Yeah. Um... God, did I even take uh, notes for him? I guess I, I don't really have to. Uh, this was just an update, but it's kind of interesting. Like, as you mentioned, the show's really up their game. The production values are up. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, we get to see the, the call center. That's where Stack The opens. call center. Yeah. This, uh, as, uh, this is at least the first time I've noticed the call center. Um, and, you know, I'm kind of curious now whether this was an actual call center set they put together, whether there was a dedicated unsolved mysteries call center or whether they just went to like some telemarketing place <laughs> and filmed there for a few minutes. I think uh, there's, there's a part of Robert Stack's contract is that he gets to show up at any, any call center in America and just take it over. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, yeah, because, yeah, no, but I was definitely excited to see the, the call center. Uh, this is a memory I have. Uh, and, you know, he starts out right away by mentioning that last season, because of their show, 34 people were, or, or at least just mysteries were solved. Um, so this was, yeah, this was exciting. We also had, like, I can't remember if this was in the before title sequence, but Robert, you know, they film Robert Stack out at the actual Roswell uh, base, and he 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 drops he, he sort of name drops that they're at the Roswell base, 
so I was definitely excited that they weren't at the Queen Mary again. Uh, yeah, but so we get an update, and normally we ignore these, mm -hmm. but this was kind of a different situation because the, this was an this is the first time I've seen an update where the up the 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 update has a title uh, card, like how you know they might have for Wanted or the Unexplained. In this case, you know. It had its own little intro sequence, so in a way, it's kind of like a segment. Um, but I guess basically, there was a cop who was, you know, charged with the responsibility of taking care of sexually abused people, and he sexually abused them. <laughs> uh, which, unfortunately, I guess a lot of situations uh, involving sexual abuse do involve people in authority or uh, position of trust and he 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 skipped uh, um, he, you know he, he made a, a run for it on the day that his trial was supposed to start which kind of seems strange to me because you know wouldn't you kind of just let the trial go on for a while to see whether maybe you're gonna win or not? But maybe, maybe the he figured. <laughs> well, no, because then if you show up for trial, I assume you're usually being held in jail until. Well, yeah, but like I, he got, he got, he he made bail or something, right? Yeah, Cause... and and then he was supposed to like the de the deal with bail is that you're supposed to show up to court. Right. So if you have um like you you get the money from a bail bondsman or something. Yeah. The deal with them is you show up to court or it's your head on a platter. Basically, they take you straight to jail. Oh, he was supposed to show up, but at at any rate he would have just ended up in jail. So. Right, right. So he ma makes a run for it. And I can only, you know, I have no idea in the actual segment. I'm sure we'll end up watching it and reviewing it. Um how what there was the reenactment here there wasn't too much of a reenactment but what they had was amazing uh in this like one minute sequence depicting him sort of you know fleeing off into the woods we get like two guys with mustaches and i'm not i'm still not entirely sure which one was supposed to be the uh the guy on the run and who was just like the witness who saw him and I was so confused by this that uh, when a third guy who showed up who didn't have a mustache, but mm -hmm. uh, I didn't realize that at first. So then, like, I'm really confused. as So <laughs> who's wait, who's who's on the run? What? Oh, OK, that guy's shooting at the other. So, you know, presumably he's the, the one on the run. It was it, it was a delightful, like. Uh, sequence of events. Yeah, uh, it sounds like a real mustache fiasco. <laughs> it was a total mustache fiasco. I mean, could they could have like tried to make the witness look very different, but instead, I was I was confused. Like they're, they they you know they mentioned the witness sees uh, our our perp uh, or, or whatever you know packing up or maybe the witness is packing up i'm i'm totally confused so if you're you're watching at home watch the sequence and tell me who who who's who <laughs> please 
<laughs> well, um, the the name of the uh, molester cop is Charles M- Moulet. Oh, okay. I do have his name down. Yeah, I, but it's reason, spelled Mule. Mule. Yeah. Like uh, for the, some reason, like a donkey. Yeah, I I had his name in with the the Vietnam heroes, which he definitely doesn't belong. No, he's not a but, hero. No. Yeah. It, you know, it's strange. There's actually, I guess, I don't know the details, but there was some, like, cop out in my area that, when I was in high school, was supposed to be, I guess, having a similar uh, position or whatnot, or Mm -hmm. he dealt with troubled youth. But from what I've heard from my acquaintances uh, on Facebook who went to the same high school... Apparently, he was like he was like coercing uh, young women into having sex with them in exchange for not taking them to jail or something. I I don't know the details, but it just it kind of you know it just seems like unfortunately when you're uh, when you're given a position of this sort of like authority, you're really able to uh, if you're unscrupulous turn it to your. Uh, sword advantage unfortunately yes whatever happened to the cop that uh was out by you oh uh i have no idea um <laughs> I, I i know like I, there, there was that's a not really what i wanted to hear but <laughs> i'm sorry yeah i'm sorry i guess i should have mentioned that he he was arrested i think or oh, he went okay. to trial but i don't know what the conclusion of that was well shit Oh, that's right. We have an update for this update sequence because you got yes. caught, right? Yes. Seven years doesn't sound like much. It doesn't. I mean, especially since we we know he's since been released. Like he was released fifteen years ago, probably. So. Oh. So one of the themes I've been noticing, uh, I think we've had it come up once or twice in season one and now again in season two, is uh, the the after effects of the Vietnam War tend to get some attention from Unsolved Mysteries. Well, and I'm, I'm just trying to put myself in the headspace of like 1988, 89. Obviously, I was very young. I wasn't really like aware of social issues, but... You know, the Vietnam War was like 15 years before the show aired, maybe? When did the yeah. Vietnam War end? Right. Uh, well, yeah, because like um, by the tail, yeah, by, by, by 74, I think j- just about everyone was out. In fact, mm-hmm. um, and then like just a year, a couple years later, the, the South fell to a, a, an invasion by the North. Um so yeah, basically, I mean, you, we are talking about a fi- more or less a fifteen-year um, <clears throat> distance between America's most intense involvement in the war and the time these episodes aired, which is roughly the same amount of time we have uh, between th- now, the current present mm-hmm. day, and September eleventh. Yeah, I was trying to think of like a analogy where it was something that sort of affected everyone in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think s- September 11th, certainly we're, you know, we're still 
in Afghanistan. We're still in Iraq. Um, are the after effects of that? I mean, we certainly got out of Vietnam a lot quicker <laughs> than those two places, but um, right. but certainly, I think the Vietnam War. I mean, it was the last time we had a draft in this country. It was the first time I think uh, the average American citizen was exposed to sort of the horrors of war because we had you know on-site journalists and reporting and television and. Um, you know, right. and the beginning of, of the segment that I'm about to talk about, we actually get a lot of like file footage of um, helicopter action and helicopter pilots and casualties from the Vietnam War. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that being a helicopter pilot was such a deadly uh, profession. Um, I mean, in, in, in the war. Certainly. And, and most of what the action was was just ferrying people and supplies between um, battlefronts it sounds like so it was more transportation and medical airlifting than and resupplying than it was probably yeah (laughs) probably not so much apocalypse now where it was just shooting you know machine gun out the side of a helicopter it was probably more transportation based at any rate um so the story i'm going to talk about there's a man named jim mead who served in vietnam as a helicopter pilot, he actually left college. He wasn't drafted. He left willingly to join the army. Um, he only served for three months in Vietnam. During that time, his uh, helicopter was shot down three different times. So think about that. Like the first, m- I mean, so assuming these are evenly spaced, month one, helicopter shot down. He's like, you know what? I got to keep going. Month two, helicopter shot down. You know, Jim's not. Jim's gonna press his luck. He's like, okay, well, I've been this lucky this so far. Well, on the the third time his helicopter goes down, he is um, seriously injured, uh, and yeah. they transport his body back. To, his body, no. Well, to be clear, <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. To be clear, and spoiler alert, uh, Jim is still alive, or at least he was at the rec- time of recording for this unsolved. Mystery show. Jim is still alive. Sorry. I'm sorry I said body. He is still alive. Uh, his mangled uh, live body is brought back to the United States. And um, we're, we're treated to what well, there's an interview with Jim's parents, which is very heartfelt. They said they seem like they seem like good people. I mean, that was the impression I got. They just seem like very like humble, soft spoken Oh yes, types. for sure. I mean, I mean, it it kind of makes sense to me that this would be, the the they would be the sort of parents that would raise someone who would, you know, have enough sense of duty that he would actually volunteer to go to Vietnam rather than you know just being drafted and having to go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So. So Jim's mangled body, <laughs> who that is still alive. He's still alive. Um, they take him to some uh, hospital on the West Coast. I didn't quite catch what it was. But anyway. Um, somewhere in Tacoma. Somewhere in Tacoma. Tacoma, Washington? Yeah. Okay, great. Um, so this matters not. But what does matter is that the U.S. Army, ahead of, of Jim's transportation, s- sends a letter to his parents saying that he's become seriously ill and injured as um as a result of something it was a very vague letter but right they really emphasized that too it, it was kind of like you know um yeah yeah your, your your son's injured 
dot 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 you fill in the blanks well and they do they do a close-up of what i assume is the original letter and it's not a stunt letter um from the army and the word ill is misspelled (laughs) (laughs) i didn't catch that it was like glaring and i was like that word looks weird and they spelled it and and this is how i know it had to come from the army because it was spelled i l l l it was three l's (laughs) for ill uh so okay so his parents they come to the hospital they see this moaning zombie like creature in the hallway uh and then a nurse or the doctor tells him oh you know wait wait in the waiting room when we'll bring you into jim's room when he's ready and um the dad describes seeing jim as a bunch of bandages tubes and bottles coming out of every which way uh i felt they didn't really do a good job of depicting that in the reenactment no like because his almost the entire like you know everything on his face other than one eye and everything above the eyebrows is uncovered right um well i mean this story goes that he was supposed to have been unrecognizable to his parents but really what it looks like is somebody just took a bunch of gauze and medical tape and just (laughs) wrapped it in random places and and some makeup to make it look like he had bruises on his uh upper shoulders and then they just like you know um helter skelter shoves some tubes coming out of the bandages it 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 looks very strange well um, yeah, though, to, though, though to be fair uh they have a shot where you see it from the father's pov and he's looking at him from um the way he's where he's positioned so that like it looks like you see you're seeing the face upside down and that was like whoever was doing the acting on that it was kind of it was a little disconcerting to watch and i i don't and i don't know if you you caught this like the father's talking about how he told told uh because jim's two brothers are there mm-hmm. and it's actually kind of interesting they they like how they come across him his not deceased body in the hallway is they were sitting in the waiting area and they just got bored so they decided they just walk through the hospital and i don't know about you but doesn't it kind of seem like jim's brothers walk with this weird swagger like <laughs> well they had and they had to show the hospital who's boss yeah <laughs> yeah i kind of felt like they like has, it's funny you say that because it kind of felt like the way they're showing them walking down the hallway they're trying to exert that they were in charge or something. Um, I don't know. That, that's just what I noticed. And then when when they're when they're looking over uh, Jim's not dead body, um, the father in the interview uh, that they're they're playing over the reenactment says that he told his you know said he made a comment to his two you know uh, other sons. Yeah boy that soldier's tore all to hell and like i'm sure he he said that to them when they were away from the gurney so that whoever's on the gurney wouldn't hear (laughs) but the way that like where they have him mentioning that where the reenactors are positioned seems to suggest that he said it right next to, to jim what wouldn't that be nightmarish to like not only 
have well, your, your yeah, I'm thinking not recognize you, but then make that sort of comment. Be like this guy is fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it it reminds me of that scene in the new RoboCop movie that no one else saw, where they show him what's left and there's nothing left, and he freaks out about his body. Oh, yeah, I, I imagine it'd be like that. It'd be like I have RoboCop. I have. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it, totally. I haven't seen that film, but I did watch that clip on YouTube. Well, calling and... it film is generous. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Uh, so, so to the reenactor who's doing the, the gym part, there's a lot of moaning and groaning. It's, it's real, like a zombie situation. Mm -hmm. Like they've restrained a zombie to a gurney and that's what it looks like. And I'm confused by this because the story goes that Jim was supposed to have come back in a coma. (laughs) And I don't, I really, I don't know anything about comas, but I'm pretty sure you don't like thrash around and moan and groan when you're in a coma i mean maybe you do i don't know somebody somebody tweet at us about comas because i don't know because this didn't make any sense to me is because the way it's being portrayed is he's thrashing around and he can't communicate because he has this head trauma but at the same time they're saying he's in a coma that he may never come out of like that was the prognosis so i was very confused by this yeah later when they when they show like because they take him to the amputee wing to like just lay there and have the uh, other soldiers that are recuperating there talk to him to hope that maybe that social uh, exposure might might help draw him out of the coma. And when he's in there, he's depicted as just laying completely still, unaware of what's going on around him. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of up production values in this uh, <laughs> in this episode, but I feel like we're still getting some inconsistency. Uh, yeah, I I really feel like maybe the guy who's playing Jim, and and we'll get a we'll get more scenes with this actor later, but I really feel like he's re- trying for a bigger part than he has. <laughs> <laughs> in this show um so and and i you know i'm like this guy's like totally overacting which isn't to diminish what it is that jim went through but i also want to say at this point the show uh gives us an interview with jim Mm. and uh jim looks fantastic jim looks like nothing bad has ever happened to him jim is a clinical psychologist in his 40s um jim speaks uh what i would say normally considering he had a traumatic brain injury jim is crushing it so uh he made a what they say miraculous recovery he he had had um i think gangrene on his legs they're worried that he'd have to have his legs removed in the hospital he didn't that didn't end up happening but what did end up happening is that he wasn't really able to move around on his own when he came out of the coma and he wasn't able to speak as such and initially i guess what he didn't even remember the first 19 years of his life yeah that's what he said it's pretty incredible but wow. i'm assuming that some of that has probably started to come back for him right 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 I, that, that, that was my <laughs> assumption as well i mean, I mean uh i mean yeah i mean it's, it's a total regarding henry uh everything's under control situation normal situation. absolutely yeah no uh but but I think Jim does yeah he gets his some of his memory back it seems at least he knows who he seems to know who his parents are at this point um so enter Lieutenant uh Betty Stevens she's his nurse 
Um, and she's doing soup to nuts for his recovery. She's nursing him. She's giving him physical therapy. She's teaching him how to, you know, to walk. First, he had to crawl. There's this amazing 80s montage of him, <laughs> like, learning how to eat with a spoon again and um, sit up. And, and then he's crawling on the mat. And then he's, you know, he's it, it was, like, everything you want from an 80s montage to really uplifting piano music. Um, I felt like they kind of kept cutting to the same three activities over and over again. But... <laughs> uh, well, it's cheaper that way. Yeah, uh... probably. So, but they, you know, the actress who's playing Lieutenant uh, Betty Stevens is, you know, she's a real pisser and she's not cutting Jim any slack and she's going to teach him to walk again and talk again. Well, God damn it, anywhere doesn't it hurt? And uh, there's a scene where there's a couple of couple of guys in the the physical therapy room, it's a couple of rookies that have like broken thumbs or some shit, and they're um, sprained ankles. <laughs> that was it. It was like not a real <laughs> thing. And they start clowning on Jim while he's trying to do his exercises, and he's crawling around on the floor. And she wasn't having any of it. She told him to get get out of there. And who do they think they are? Um. So that's. That's Betty Stevens. She looked after Jim for a really long time. And then Jim was eventually transferred back. Not transferred, but he went home with his parents. And then uh, Betty, or Lieutenant Stevens, uh, she's not in the Army anymore. Again, spoiler, we find out what happens to her. Uh, (laughs) She teaches Jim's parents, like, all the right ways to help him do things and all kinds of good physical therapy activities. So Jim makes a full recovery. Fifteen years later, he wants to know what happens or what has happened to Lieutenant Stevens. Robbie, do we get an update? Yes, we do. We get an excellent update. We get the best update. It's so good. Yeah, like not not only did the the segment allow these two to find each other again, but it was actually Lieutenant Stevens who was watching the segment and realized <laughs> that it was her. Uh, so, and, and what I was kind of confused by is they, when, when they were talking about the, this, they, they seem to suggest that she called Jim directly. I don't, like, I don't so, know how that could have been possible unless he's like still listed in the phone book or book. something. <laughs> well, I, I was thinking, I don't know. I, maybe, maybe they gate. Yeah. I, I couldn't understand that. Like, did they give out his personal number in the original airing? God, or, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but that was probably just a flub on their part uh, describing the situation. But yeah, they they uh, they get to meet again, and it, it, I gotta t- say this this is like the opposite feeling. Watch watching this re- reunion to the feeling I've had anytime we've watched a murder s- uh, sequence <laughs> and the killer was not caught. Mm-hmm. Th- th- this was immensely satisfying, though I was momentarily confused. Because I wrote down in my notes, Betty Stevens, B-E-T-T-Y space S-T-E-V-E-N-S. And then when they showed the the person uh, on the, you know, the actual person on the segment, they they have her listed as Karen Stevens Nelson. Did you pick up on that? Yeah. I was was confused. I was like, wait, is this, (laughs) uh, did she, uh, I guess, obviously, and part of that was... Well, I, I, Betty is short for Karen. You didn't know that? What? 
No, I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> oh my god! I, I was, I was going to really be like <laughs> demanding how you derive Betty from Karen. Um. <laughs> uh. Well, anyway, I think she probably uh, got married and and then decided to go with her middle name or something i have no idea what happened but I, who knows i also yeah. don't know what kind of vetting process they did to verify it was in fact her <laughs> <laughs> well I'm, I'm you know they, they they i'm sure she could provide them with her army documentation or, or, or something um you know it's god this this was just such a great sequence it was so good i i, I really do like these lost love segments because they 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 often end very well because the parties involved are so far have still been alive so that they could be reunited and um, you know I think about um, so certainly I've never been in a situation like Jim's but you know I think about all the times that I've I've had someone look out for me that really didn't need to do that and it, I think it'd be really satisfying to be able to see them again and say thank you you know sometimes people think they're just doing their jobs but they're really like changing somebody's life so right and also it's... and also just what's up to all the nurses you guys are great <laughs> so yeah they, they um yeah, the, the the segment you know mentioned how maybe they're a little bit of an unsung hero uh uh from the vietnam war and we actually get stack out at arlington cemetery in this section dedicated to 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 the nurses Man, they've they've flown him to Roswell, New Mexico, to Arlington, Virginia. Um, he's <laughs> raking up all sorts of uh, frequent fire miles. Wait, the- Robbie, what's he doing in Roswell, New Mexico? Oh well, we finally, finally, finally get a UFO segment, and not only do we get a UFO segment, we get the the ufo segment yes UFO the segment. ufo wait a minute no we had a we had a ufo segment before that but that hasn't aired yet you ever experienced a period of missing time no this is our totally first ufo segment ever that we've ever watched <laughs> in this show i i must have been misremembering things yes. from this timeline which, which is a shame because i think if we had watched a UFO segment, mm-hmm. and particularly the UFO segment that you don't remember seeing. Mm-hmm. We could have made some comparisons in terms of the quality of the reenactments mm-hmm. and also the guest, but we can't because it didn't happen. Yeah, that's too bad. Much like, much like how this UFO crash didn't happen. So, um... July 2nd. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I well, Robbie. I think we could probably give most of our viewer listeners the benefit of the doubt that they kind of know what the Roswell thing is about. Um, right, right. So, well, if you if you want to do like a like a brief overview of what happened. Yeah. Okay. So this is 1947, two years after World War II. Um, a rancher. Uh, basically, the, the 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 gist of the Roswell thing is the rancher finds some scattered debris on his field. <clears throat> he goes to the sheriff, who goes to the army, the uh, or I think it's the army air force at that point. 
whatever. They come out, they they take they they look at some of the pieces, da 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 da, and then they also find uh, some sort of allegedly find some sort of craft uh, about what a mile two two miles away. And the army initially says that they have found a flying saucer. Um, but then that's redacted. And instead they say it was a crash. It was like, a, what was it? A weather? They said it was a weather balloon. Weather balloon is the official story. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. Um, and obviously this is one of the, the, the big, big time UFO stories. We have people who were in the military involved with this process who who came forward year, years or rather decades later uh and said that it was it was actually alien uh it was something of alien origin uh this is this yeah this is a big one this this has been the source for so many movies and television uh stuff i mean independence day there's an episode of deep space nine that references roswell um, um, yeah, it's most of the basis for the X Files. Parte. The X Files, cornerstone of the mythos of the X Files mythology. Um, currently, I think it's the entire basis for the Roswell, New Mexico economy. <laughs> Probably, <laughs> I would have to. Yeah, I'd have to think so. I mean, what is there in Central New Mexico? Uh, not much, from what I hear. Um, so there, there's some. The part where uh, Robert Stack introduces this, he seems to allude to other UFO cases. Um, so I don't, I don't know in in our timeline or the Unsolved Mysteries timeline, like how popular UFO sightings and these types of stories have become at the time of this airing. I don't know how entrenched. I mean, I think for a lot of people, Unsolved Mysteries is probably their first introduction to the story of Roswell because it, it, it was it was certainly mine, and I think I've seen this segment before, or I may not have because I know that like this story gets told on other shows like sightings and whatnot, mm-hmm. and they do reenactments that basically cover the same sort of material. But I mean, certainly this was, you know, this was certainly my, you know, it was one of these shows that was my introduction to this this story. Well, and I want to mention no expense was spared in the reenactment. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, mean, well, well, uh, some expense. Well, a little on the probably on the. Well, well, the thing is, is, it's, it's interesting, actually. They they've they've gone. There are parts of this that are done very cheaply, but then on the opposite end of the spectrum, I think there are parts of this that are very impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I actually, I mean, this this is the best UFO segment that I've seen from Unsolved Mysteries in terms of just that sort of production value. It's actually probably the best period piece. Yeah, I mean, they they really took care to make sure that the the cars were era appropriate even the army vehicles were era appropriate um the thing they didn't take much care with is the main farmer who finds the wreckage uh he's supposed to be like a cowpoke in the 1940s in new mexico but god he looks like an 80s douche bro (laughs) he's got like a mini mullet and like a handlebar mustache and he looks like he could not look any more 80s like they didn't 
he looks he looks at like at least six or seven different civil war reenactors i know <laughs> same, same appearance uh in fact i was kind of, i was momentarily wondering whether it was one of the civil war reenactors i knew it was an actor in the segment um yeah the 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 they're portraying the character well, i guess he's not a character he's a real life person named mac brazel mm-hmm. quote unquote an old time cowboy uh he's he's eating his he is eating a meal that looks exactly like what I had for dinner. Oh, what's that? Recording <laughs> the segment. Um, some North side rice, which I don't know why they call them uh, sides because uh, they're, they're often sort of the uh, main dish of my <laughs> dinner. Uh, mixed in with um, diced tomatoes and also a side of beans. Right on. And a piece, piece of bread. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he was eating his uh, dinner of bread and beans with, during a electrical storm, which apparently at that time of the year is a nightly occurrence in central New Mexico. Can you? I, I can verify. Yes, I have been. Yeah. I've been in New, I have been in New Mexico in the like early autumn, late summer. And they have yeah. some. Yeah, they have some pretty incredible storms because there's it because it's mostly flat to a point especially in central new mexico like the storms just keep like rolling over because there's kind of a monsoon season in arizona and new mexico so yeah no it's pretty incredible like new mexico really the land of enchantment yeah and so during this (laughs) i'm sorry This episode not really. of the Acted and Unsolved Mysteries podcast has been brought to you by the New Mexico Tourism Board. <laughs> if you want to see uh, fierce electrical storms and maybe some alien bodies, come yeah. to New Mexico. Yeah, during the the electrical storm, they they they, they depict this like streaking light mm-hmm. that crashes into the ground with a bright flash. Um, Mark Brazel comes out of his house, kind of looks around. Then the next day, he goes to, I guess, survey his land and make sure that <clears throat> it wasn't damaged or something. No, uh, he was. Um, he went out because, oh, 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 yeah, yes. to find yes. good grass for his cattle. So he was looking for good where grass. it had rained. So he wanted fresh gra- grass. That's all he was doing. Right. So. And so he comes across what looks like a field that ha- that has maybe three or four boxes worth of aluminum foil pieces <laughs> that have been cut up and yeah, scattered. Yeah, pretty much. That's exactly what it looks like. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, obviously this is a uh, you know, strange occurrence. Uh, he goes to... He takes he takes like a piece to, to Floyd... His neighbor's Floyd and R- R- Loretta Proctor. Yep. Um, who, who and, apparently are the, the nearest neighbors, and they live ten miles away. Did I get that right? Ten miles away. I, I I believe that is completely accurate. And what I liked about this reenactment so far is, um, God, who was the guy in was it Nebraska, Kansas, Oklahoma? Who like in the nineteen twenties, he he fell in love with some girl mm-hmm. and went to World War One and came back. Mm-hmm. She didn't love him, right? Mm-hmm. And and then he, he he's the one who who has all that money that no one ever claimed. Yeah, it was Nebraska. Nebraska, yeah. Um, the thing about that segment, re- the segments reenactment, was 
all the period clothes that were on the people did not look like they fit. Mm-hmm. Like when he's coming back from World War One in his World War in you know U.S. Army uniform, he looks like a twelve-year-old wearing an adult's <laughs> <laughs> sized clothing. So not only do we have like period clothing, but it actually fits these people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess they the, the the metal pieces that he finds in this field have strange properties. Um, yes. Yeah, if, if you pick up like a flat piece uh, piece of metal and crumple it up and then uh, let go, it will just move back to its original form. And they, they actually show this in the reenactment. And I have my theory as to how they accomplished that. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think you have an idea? Oh, I think they just they, they rolled the footage backwards. Yeah, that that that's what they did. Okay, uh, <laughs> I guess I guess yeah. the magic of television. Uh, I guess yeah, I'm not the only one like who so. in on that that trick. Um, so then uh, I live in Hollywood, baby. <laughs> I know all the tricks. No, that's big. It looks like they rolled it backwards. Is what it yeah, looks like happened. And actually, the guy who played Mac Brazzo, I'm impressed that like he he did a pretty good job of acting backwards, like having a facial reaction to the mm-hmm. the piece like do 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 to the reverse um uh, uh of, of looking surprised how do you do that uh so mac brazel brings the proctors another piece of this material and god they think this thing is the most neato bees knees thing ever they're all gathered around it they're trying to burn it they're trying to cut it <laughs> Um, well, here's hold on. There's something that the the wife that saw this material, she's still alive, and they interviewed her. Yeah. Um, there's something that she says that really caught my interest. She said it sort of had the properties of plastic, but of course back then we didn't have plastic, so we assumed it must have been some kind of wood. Yeah. If I may interject, madam. <laughs> oh. Um. I started doing some digging, and so while not everything in the 1940s was made of plastic yet, the way it was later in the in the 50s and the 60s and 70s and forever ever, and that's why the Earth is dying, there was commercially produced plastic available, and it wasn't even that rare at that time. And I think the kind that was being produced most often for packaging and such was polypropylene. Hmm. And yes, of course. And, well, well, I looked. No, I looked into it because I kind of wanted to take this whole idea to task. I looked at the melting point of polypropylene. Some of the industrial grade stuff probably wouldn't melt if you held a match to it for a few seconds. It would have to be heated up a bit higher to actually get it to react. It certainly wouldn't catch on fire. Um, the other thing is, it has because it's plastic some plasticity that if you were to crumple it it might return back to its original form um the way that they were describing the materials that they found is that they were kind of bendy but hard all of this just sounds like plastic to me and it it was available it's not like some rare substance it's just that consumer materials weren't everything wasn't made of it yet but it was and i have to think certainly the army would have access to this no Listen, Scully, you're going to try to confuse the issue, the issue here with facts 
and, and, and logic. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's a good point. I, I, I mean, I was going to, you know, I was going to go on my skeptical rant at the end of the segment. Oh, but... I have more. I just wanted to, as we're oh, talking okay. about this, she said it had, it. thinking back on it, it reminded her of plastic, but of course they didn't have plastic back then. But sure, she probably didn't have it in her home in any meaningful way. It probably wasn't a familiar material, but, but yeah, it certainly was available. Gonna happen, it's going to be the military. Right. For sure. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah no, no, the, totally. Totally. Um, I'll blow more holes in this later at the end of it. We'll yeah. talk about the reenactment. Well, yeah, yeah, no, you had to get this one in because she, we were talking about, you know, we were talking about uh, these, these people uh, gather around. Um, I, you know, I, I, I'm not... I'm actually kind of um, ashamed to admit that the way that Mr. Proctor Floyd was holding the match in his hand to burn the, 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 the piece. I've never, it never occurred to me to ever try to hold a match like that before. I'm absolutely mind blown, amazed. Like, I I mean, I've tried to use like one hand to cup to protect from the wind, but Mm -hmm. I've never, but, the bottom part of the match into my fingers and have the lip match inside coming out. <sighs> Robbie, is this a game changer for you? Do you think? Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm hesitant to say the paradigm has been shift, but shifted, but it has. <sighs> so it's a so, whole, it's a whole I, new. Ma- a- yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to, I was going to pun so hard, but let's just keep going. It's just, oh, okay. <laughs> um, blow past that one uh, Braz, so Brazel he went to the sheriff this the sheriff contacted the military Major Jesse Marcel Jr. comes out along with another officer and they you know they they seem as fascinated by this material as, as the proctors and Mr. Brazel were because they're trying to burn it and bend it and apparently at one point... Why is the first instinct to try and destroy it? <laughs> and, and I don't know. But man, they like I love how they take out a sledgehammer at yeah. one point. And we, you see one of them holding it while the other is trying to like put a dent into it. They put the whammy on it. Yeah, I don't. I just. I wonder what is this instinct with like, oh, it's a new thing. Let's set it on fire. Smash it to bits. <laughs> it's like, why... Why would that be the first thing that you do? I uh, I don't know. <laughs> I guess you know it's like when you're a little kid, you stomp on stuff, you break things. Breaking things is fun, right? Yeah, but these are grown-ups. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> um. So, and we got stock footage from some weird UFO documentary of uh, an elderly Jesse Marcel uh, describing the event. Um, Yeah, I, who knows? Maybe in his his old age, he decided that, like, he would agree to do a UFO documentary and make some extra cash in exchange for. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, what has he got to lose? You know, he already retired. So, right. Right. He retired. He doesn't have his career to worry about, you know, I mean, yeah. So according to him, he brought a box of this stuff home and 
we also get an interview with his son Jess, who was eleven at the time. Came in to look at it. You know, they're they're doing the thing where they crumple the all these little square panel uh, sheets up and watch them fold back out. Uh, and there's like some I beam pieces with strange symbols on them. Um, Marcel, yeah. oh yeah, I was gonna say those strange symbols look awfully similar to that magic rock. <gasps> oh my god! Coincidence? I, didn't think about that. I think not. Do you think the aliens dropped the magic rock? Um, or, or I was gonna say. Far- Probably the same production assistant in charge of like <laughs> mocking up the rock as it was the I beams in this segment. <laughs> Bam, uh, he has he has enough creativity to draw like triangles and squares and circles and lines. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's like how the Matrix code is just gibberish Japanese lettering. Right? Is it? I've never. Most of it, yeah. It's just. It's just okay. a mix of like Japanese letters that don't belong together. Yeah. Like like most tattoos that yeah. people get on their Yeah, it's just a long <laughs> string of bad tattoos. <laughs> All of this. Uh yeah, so uh Mar- Major Marcel, he takes the uh, materials back with him to the Roswell base, which is home of the 509 Bomb Squadron, which at the time was the sole bomb uh uh unit that had atomic weapons assigned to them so it's a you know it's a high security very important place um and this is where things get really weird because colonel blatchard blachard blatchard i don't know the colonel doesn't matter yeah uh, he decides to go public and uh with with the, with what they found um he tells uh, he has his lieutenant lieutenant hot to issue a press release that the army found a flying saucer and then take the press releases in town so that the news media wouldn't feel like the army was jumping over them or something mm-hmm. so this is a colonel who is very interested in public re- relations it seems like well maybe uh, he knows that the army is wearing out its welcome in uh roswell yeah oh you think that that might be the case i don't know yeah okay <laughs> uh, <laughs> um and so we got that. So the so as far as cur- the colonel is concerned, the, the the military has found a UFO. <clears throat> and then we we have a second storyline that comes into this. Mm-hmm. And I kind of have a theory that, um, I mean. The way the segment shows it, if you just watch it initially, you feel like, oh, there's all these people that, you know, I've seen this stuff. We get all this collaborating stories. But really, uh, we got like two different stories that are not really connected. And one of them could have just been entirely fictitious. Mm -hmm. This one is about a guy named Barney Barnett, who was a soil engineer something or ever um and we don't even get the story from him we get it from some guy he told so we're already on sketchy ground there uh 
but apparently he found a crashed oval-shaped uh, uh, craft just like two miles away from the the the, te- the aluminum foil mm-hmm. um, field. And we get like this. This is actually like you know the aluminum foil field is one side, one end of the spectrum of this reenactment. This crashed UFO is kind of the opposite end of the spectrum. I mean, they put like, you know, they built or somehow acquired some really large disc shaped something. Um, and I'm pretty you know, sure this, this, this crashed UFO prop slash scene has been yeah. used in countless television shows. I mean, this specific prop. I feel like I've seen it <laughs> like a thousand times. They rented it from Universal Studios. Yeah, so. anyone who's reenacting the Roswell thing, which happens at least once a year, they just go down to the studio <laughs> with the crashed <laughs> UFO. It's it, 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 the, the paperwork for it, for what prop it is, actually listed as crashed U- Roswell UFO. That's right, yeah. And you got to sign it out and sign it back in, yeah. So. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so this is the guy who finds the finds the little bodies, isn't it? Yeah. He finds four beings laying on the ground. And they they have kind of the sort of alien uh physique that we're familiar with, big heads. Mm-hmm. But the way he describes it that he says that their eyes are just sort of sunken in. Mm-hmm. So they're not the really huge all black eyes that we're kind of familiar with. No, and in fact, the the prop bodies look like they were kind of just baked out of their minds. Monkey's out of the bottle, man. What? Yeah. That's not even an expression. Pandora doesn't go back in the box. He only comes out. (laughs) (laughs) They look like stoned little aliens. So, um, very, so we actually we, we know the cause of the crash now. Yeah, they were they smoked twenty marijuanas apiece within an hour period. That's what the, that's what the coroner said. <laughs> given uh, the, these marijuanas were given to them by a satanic cult. That's right. <laughs> yes, um, uh, Santa, a satanic cult out of San Francisco. Out gave of them San twenty Francisco. marijuanas apiece. <laughs> and then they then they just laid down and their ufo crashed they were actually on their way to bedford oregon that's right well, to they, make some investments they, yeah they, they were gonna do some investing in medford because they heard they could get 25 25 percent interest which, which, which right. is a figure that is unheard of anywhere in the universe yeah <laughs> They uh, they also what they forgot to mention that actually happened at Roswell is at the story goes that in the UFO they found a bunch of sports memorabilia. I think <laughs> I think Babe Ruth's World Series jersey was in there. <laughs> Man, so no they 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 were they'd already been swindled and they were trying to get their 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 money equivalent back right right but then but the satanic cult of course with the marijuana derailed the whole plan and here we are talking about roswell new mexico (laughs) oh it's it's great when everything just comes together it is isn't it isn't it wonderful yeah and what's interesting is these aliens are wearing some sort of like silver suits 
Uh, it seems like most depictions of aliens that we get is that they don't wear any sort of clothing. Usually they're nude. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's, I kind of have the feeling that this is like, you know, this, this, this is before decades worth of fraud hypnotists have Mm. (laughs) planted and, and shaped and warped the minds of countless people to, to get, give us the, I guess more like well, communion type aliens that we have today. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, you know, the the the, the fake, uh, the non-existent alien bodies that were de- that someone described have been shaped and molded <laughs> over like seventy years now to what we have now. Um, apparently also a, a group of archaeology students arrive right after this guy finds the UFO. Um, yeah, but none of them will talk. None of them will talk. Well, they can't even track down any of these people, uh, hmm. which I'll get into in a second. Cause like the army then immediately right, like r- arrives, you know, just seconds later. So we got like a real sort of, it's a mad, 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 mad world sort of like all these characters coming together uh apparently the army at this point did not have their ufo containment procedures really formalized Mm -hmm. yeah like what how they're gonna like tell people you know you didn't see this because this the the commanding officer just tell has someone bring all the archaeologist and this uh barney burnett guy just come over to his jeep and he basically told them don't tell anyone <laughs> so he was just which, like hey guys shh. yeah <laughs> that probably would have that probably would have been more effective um well so, I, so so yeah they transport the bodies back i i'm sorry i'm itching to get to the part where we just destroy this whole <laughs> mess. yeah you know, i i i have a feeling that what you're gonna do to destroy destroy this this part of the the segment is exactly what i would say so go ahead <laughs> um well because we're pretty much at the end of it right like this that was it they transport the bodies then people say they saw things and then the myth grows and no one can prove anything yeah, oh uh, then there was the memo oh we can't we have to talk about the memo the rj mj ultra MJ 12 because and... 12 it was a group of 12 people that's right assembled by the president to who's who is not named yeah i, so I mean it's an I'm anonymous assume... president we have to assume oh someone's calling me never mind okay um yeah i i'm assuming it was truman yeah that would make uh, sense for the timeline but who can say it's just the president the president yes <laughs> um but basically uh it was someone, some reporter allegedly received this this thing mm-hmm. anonymously in the mail, which makes me want to believe that it's basically just a UFO hoaxer mm-hmm. who, who who just made it up and sent it, hoping to. But yeah, and it had some text in it, like on July seventh, on seven July nineteen forty seven, blah 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 blah, wreckage, da 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 da. You know, it's typical bureaucratic whatever. Yeah. Well, there it mentions that little green men were pulled from the wreckage and they were found <laughs> dead. Yes, yeah, pulled from the wreckage. Um. So yeah. So then there's the memo, which is sort of offered up as sort of like irrefutable proof, but we don't know who sent it. 
And they don't yeah. even bother to tell us who the president was that put this group of 12 people together. Um, you know, that combined with the fact that I think the whole Barney Barnett finding the alien bodies in the crashed UFO, I think we can just we can just say that was complete bullshit. I mean, he was just telling some friend of his something, you know, yeah. an amusing story that he thought would be humorous. That's why we can't find any of these archaeology students that were there because there were, there were none. They didn't exist. Probably it in some in his mind probably added some credence having them be archaeology students. Right. Because as opposed yeah. to like paleontologists I, or <laughs> I, I don't know. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so, so Robbie, what do you think happened at Roswell in 1947? OK, so, yeah, they, they something. They said, happened right we can all agree right. something happened okay something did happen um you know my here's my take uh because as we know later the army changed cha changed the story they said it was a weather balloon da, 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 da. here's what i think they were experimenting with some for what was at the time super high-tech super modern experimental aircraft it crashed. They, the colonel that initially said it was a flying saucer was trying to hide the fact that this aircraft has crashed because they, they didn't want any attention brought to it. They didn't want the Soviets to even find out that they were working on whatever it is they were working on. Mm -hmm. And apparently the best story he could come up with was that it was a flying saucer. So you, you think he was intentionally trying to make it sound so silly that no one would follow up on it? Or yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I I'm not, yeah, you know, he, he was definitely trying to say it was something you know, just throw, throw them off the track. You know, mm -hmm. they, they, they changed the story later. It's a weather balloon. Da 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 da. So now, instead of trying to, you know, find out the details of this new uh, jet engine aircraft that the military is working on, you got people instead trying to figure out where these alien bodies <laughs> are located. <laughs> yeah, well, and even in the in the segment, we get a couple of quote unquote experts. I think one of them was just a writer uh, telling us where he thinks the bodies have ended up. One of them's in Langley and then the other one is some... Air Force Base somewhere else. Yeah, I looked up this guy. He's totally a writer. Um, it was. It's interesting though. At least when the show brought on this bullshit writer, um, it wasn't like in the, the the Son of Sam episodes. The the writer there was clearly pitching his book. At least this one, the guy wasn't. You know, there was no mention made of a particular yeah. book he wrote about this topic. So, you know, if if you're just casual. Do you think the producers got wise after being swindled so many times in the first season? <laughs> I was more fascinated by they had uh, a guy named Stanton Friedman on mm -hmm. who was listed as a nuclear physicist. Um, was this the guy with he had like a receding hairline and like a goatee and glasses? You know, if he wants to talk about like nuclear nuclear physics or something, I'll totally buy what he what he's saying. But I, you know, much like the archaeology students, you just can't bring in someone that has accomplishments and credibility in one field, and then, 
expect that to somehow transfer over to something that they've never studied. Yeah. But but I will say that I'm actually whatever it is that you know reason they had him on what he says makes sense which is that if you know the military did find a crashed ufo they wouldn't want to announce that because if you announce to like people that there's this you know there's this thing out there that we can't stop can't control can't do anything about that that's kind of going to cause a panic and be highly irresponsible um yeah, it's an interesting uh, uh, conjecture. I'm not sure why we needed to hear it, but mm-hmm. it, w- it was fascinating to listen to. Uh, yeah, I I think it's I think the whole I completely agree with you about what happened at Roswell. I think they were experimenting with some like ultralight materials, mm-hmm. which were probably plastic, um, <laughs> <laughs> possibly, um, and and or I some kind of wood that doesn't burn. <laughs> Yeah, I and I think the reason for going and collecting and creating some some sense of secrecy around it is is either they didn't want to get uh they didn't want other foreign governments to be aware that they were working with this technology or it could be something as simple as like they didn't they were not appropriately paying for someone else's patent. Oh. You know, that's it could I mean it could be something as simple and bureaucratic as that that it, if it got out then it would have caused a lot more trouble than it just letting people believe it was a flying saucer. <laughs> it's a lot better to have people think that there's little green men and flying saucers everywhere. Yeah, and and <laughs> what if they expose ourselves to a patent lawsuit? Well, exactly. I mean, maybe they were using using scientists discoveries without permission. Yeah. And they they didn't, you know, who who knows? But I, I think it's probably such a mundane explanation. And the reason that no one in the Army or Air Force has ever bothered to correct us is because it's too much fun. Like, why <laughs> why do that to the town of Roswell at this point? Now it's just part of this the American zeitgeist is that we have this mythos around uh, Roswell, New Mexico, and what happened there when it was probably the most ordinary of things. Did you so. notice that both times when we see Robert Stack at the base, he he explicitly mentions that they're on location at Roswell? <laughs> it, it kind of felt like the producers, you know, they spent all this money to fly him out there. They wanted to make sure they got their money's worth. Oh, by absolutely. Having- yeah. I mean, like, the, it, and I think it. I think this having him at Arlington, having him at Roswell has airs the show a sense of legitimacy. It didn't have maybe in the first season. Um, And then, and so then going into that, we, at the very end of the show, we have stack lining us up for next week. Oh yes. They have the, they're going to have the actual director of the FBI. Yeah. William Sessions is coming on to talk about um, some special cases. I, I know this episode's probably gone on for a long time, but I kind of feel this is a little relevant. Have you seen that thing in the news lately about the released footage of like yeah. the pilot? I I was thinking how like relevant and timely this is, since basically um the Air Force and the Pentagon and the Department of Defense and Harry Reid have confirmed the U- existence <laughs> of UFOs. <laughs> and have you noticed like how little reaction there's been to it. Uh, like, this sort of stuff happened in the mid-90s. It would have been the story of the decade. 
Well, we're 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 occupied with more earthly matters, I think. Right. I, I, th- at I think the moment. It, yeah. Well, I think what it is is like they like the you know the the Pentagon just realized like look, you know, uh, people are believing all sorts of crazy things now, like that vaccines uh, don't work or they kill their children and that the earth is flat. Da da da. We could probably just go ahead and just slip release. this in. Yeah, yeah. Just release this. <laughs> and first of all, they'll probably like think we're lying. <laughs> well, I here's my my reaction to this is uh, Yeah, of course UFOs exist. A UFO is, is a, an identified flying object. object. If I see something in the sky, I cannot readily identify to me that is a UFO. Yeah. Of course UFOs exist. Are they piloted by aliens? I don't think we got any definitive proof this week or ever that they yeah. are. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, so, someone on Twitter I follow said something like what we've what we've got here is like the military uh, you know, footage of the military uh tracking somebody's drone program or something. Yeah. I also just don't think now's the right time, aliens. So if you could just like maybe wait a couple of years, like we'll be in better shape to deal with you. Well, isn't there that like big long asteroid that's supposed to be coming near us or something that some people think is an alien craft? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's just an asteroid. But... You know, I, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, frankly, at this point, if it was an alien craft, they are coming by to just blow the planet up. Yeah. Can't say I would be particularly uh, heartbroken. You know, we didn't do a very good job with it. S- something's not beautiful because it lasts forever. That's right. That's from Avengers 2 Age of Ultron. Excellent. <laughs> well, okay. Robbie, uh, this has gone on for a long time. I feel like most of it has been uh, right at the A- minus average we've been shooting for. Yes. Um, do you do you have anything else that you want to add, or should we wrap this wrap this tidy little Christmas present up? Um, yeah, I really liked both segments. Um, this was this was a fun episode, even though it was only two segments, which was which was really weird. Um, fun times in the future. Um, also, probably because I think we're releasing this as our first show of 2018. Welcome to the new year. Um, yes. if aliens have invaded at this point, everything I've said is wrong. So, <laughs> uh, yes. And be sure. And if those aliens have invaded, be sure to try to tell them to go on Twitter. Yes. Uh, at reenacted pod. Yeah. And, tell them and, to leave us an iTunes review too, please. We would love that. It just in, like whatever it, language they can suss it out. Like that's fine. As long as it's yes. five stars. Um, <laughs> And if, if they can't leave an iTunes review because it won't let them, please tell them to either email us or twit, tweet at us to tell us, inform us of this so we can try to do something. Yeah, it's a reenacted pod at Gmail and then uh, at reenacted pod on Twitter. And uh, Robbie, if you want to do the honors, I think we should keep this part the same, right? I think so. Okay. For every mystery, there is someone, somewhere, who knows the truth. Perhaps it's you.